Hey, Dumpster Dwellers, Joe here. Just want to let you know that this is part one of our two-part Michael Ray Bauer interview. So, want to give you the heads up now. If you haven't listened to our latest episode, 312 The Willies, you might want to go check that out first. Because this is the companion piece to that episode. Enjoy. Ray Belcher, you lord ass. What same hill you think you're doing on my property? None of your damn business, you old fart. I've warned you before about what I do to little pests that invade my garden. I don't take kindly to rodents like you stealing my fertilizer and messing up my fence. Well, yeah, I'm not the idiot who just blew a hole in it. Hey, what's up? Here we are again for a brand spanking new interview. And today, we are talking with Eddie Donkey Lips Gelfin himself. We're talking to Michael Ray Bauer. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, uh, but yeah, maybe you should have led with my real name. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted everybody to let you know, let everybody know who you were, man, because I mean, a lot of us uh, recognize you as, as Donkey Lips from Salute Your Shorts, because I mean especially especially our age group but we're going to get into it because you have an amazing career um i couldn't believe how many different things um you were in and and that i remembered and i was like oh man yeah that's right mike is in that that's crazy but yeah how you doing uh i think i'm doing just about as good as everybody else could do during this pandemic yeah i'll be honest i'm a little lonely uh but you know i'm sure we all are and i'm just afraid that the future will not be like we remember it, and there's going to be a lot more security and yeah. just things that we have to do that are going to be different. And I'm I'm not willing to accept change at this point in my life. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> definitely a heavy load, dude. Yeah. So that's what's going to be great about this podcast is we're going to get into some good stuff. Oh yeah, and some good memories uh, as yeah. opposed to all this pandemic talk madness really all the gloom and doom there you go the little, gloom and doom little trip down nostalgia lane that's a good lane <laughs> it's a great lane makes you yeah. feel all warm and toasty inside put on your mask drive down nostalgia lane let's do it <laughs> throw that stormtrooper fucking helmet on oh yeah man just start driving oh i want boba fett though oh okay. my god that's pretty interesting i never thought about that but somebody should wear a stormtrooper mask will they get kicked out <laughs> Friend of the show, uh, Mike, our friend Tony from Hack the Movies, he is constantly posting on Instagram him with leather face mask, and he had fucking he had the Star Wars mask on. I have entertained the idea of going to the local grocery store with this like Darkness Dragon Lucha Libre wrestling mask I have on that covers my whole head, and it's got a fucking dragon tail on it. You can't see any of my facial features. I think it would freak people out. Oh my goodness! Uh, I mean, I'm not trying to disrespect. They're heroes, and I love them all. But frontline workers should wear all of those different type of masks. Yes. Could you imagine yeah. buying your groceries and you have a stormtrooper say, move along, six feet oh. away. <laughs> I would want to go out into the fucking COVID just to see that, honestly. <laughs> right? That's what I'm oh. saying. Yeah, I'd brave the supermarket for that. Make it worth it for people. Move along. There's nothing to see here. You got your groceries. <laughs> Just, just, just ask them where their where their drawers are located. This isn't the pa- the toilet paper you're looking for. Sanitize your bag. Get on out of here. <laughs> wow. 
Oh, my God. So the first question I got for you, or we have for you, we're going to go way back, all right? So what got you into acting? Was it something that you were always passionate about? Uh, I mean, you know, did you did you think that's what you were going to do when you were when you were uh, young? Yeah, well, when, um, when I was real young in elementary school, uh, my father worked until like 6 or 7 o'clock at night, and, you know, he was the only one at home, like the adult in charge, so I had to wait till like 6 o'clock. Uh, so I waited at the school. They had after school programs on certain days and other days they didn't. So I would watch the glee club that we had at our local elementary and you had to be like a certain age group or a grade group to be in glee club. So I was watching glee club since like third grade and I wasn't able to actually join the glee club until fifth grade. So finally, when fifth grade came around, I, um, auditioned, applied, sang, and became a part of the Glee Club at our school. We put on a play that got very popular. Uh, we got a little bit of news, uh, you know, like Daily News, LA Times. Then we had some big people come out to our show because we based it off of Hunger in Africa around that time. And Quincy, ah. jo- Quincy Jones came down to the show. Really? It. Yeah, wow. he did. He recorded it. Next thing you know, we're filming or we're not, we're recording our audio soundtrack for Quincy Jones in a children's museum type studio that he was running. We got paid for it. And then all of a sudden we're recording the, the choir vocals for. We are the world in like 1984, I believe it was. Oh my god, dude, that is amazing. That's nuts. That's fucking incredible. <laughs> it's pretty insane, but that's my story. That's how I became an actor. Basically, I was discovered by like Quincy Jones because what happened is the play got very popular. Yeah, we did record audio. We sang as a choir to the song "We Are the World," and they recorded it. I truthfully don't know if we're the official choir in the song, but we did record it. And they recorded our soundtrack and we performed at the Children's Museum for Quincy Jones for like a two month run. Wow. Then we went to Washington for Ronald Reagan. Uh, we performed in front of the cabinet, like at a, a proceeds dinner where they pay like $500 for a plate and the money goes to, to help the African, um, you know, worldwide pandemic or food and everything. And then when I came back home, because I was deleting the play. Uh, I had a lot of agents knocking down my door because I got a lot of news coverage being the lead in that play. I, I don't know if this is a redundant question, but like at the time, do you remember how you felt like while this was all going on? Uh, you know what? I don't really remember it. I just know I loved performing and singing. Sure. Even though I, I'm not a good singer, I had the lead and I had like three, you know, main songs. And it just... I remember performing and then a lot of people loving it and shaking my hands and it just hmm. led it led me to like feel to feel wanted cuz before that I was a little bit bullied being the fat kid and mm-hmm. and you know all that other stuff so it w- it was very good plus when I got my first television appearance on a, a a TV show called what was it called Superior Court where they had fake actors in a courtroom scenario. Uh, it aired, and then now I'm in junior high school. And then all the popular kids that never wanted to talk to me <laughs> saw that Superior Court episode because it would come on at, at like 5 o'clock and all the parents and the kids would watch it. Sweet justice. The next day at school, man, the Dana Howardtons, the Aloha Benedicts, <laughs> all, the, all, all the popular 
all the popular people were like, oh my God, there he is. There he is. And so I was accepted. Oh, man, that's awesome. I love that. <laughs> that That's really awesome, dude. So now I was reading that you were, you were, were you on the set of Moonwalker when that was being filmed? Yeah. Well, we actually, that was my first acting job was. Oh, really? Yeah. Quincy Jones, like either managed or was working with, um, Michael Jack. I was going to say Michael Jordan. I watched the last dance recently. <laughs> Michael Jordan's Moonwalker. Yes. So Quincy Jones was producing that stuff with Sony, Sony Pictures and all that. And so around that time, like I said, after we performed the play for Quincy at the museum, I guess I was on their radar. So they were making uh, Moonwalker and they had a, a segment in the Moonwalker thing called Batter, where little kids recreate the music video of Bad. I'm bad. Who's bad? Where all they have little kid dancers, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they also wanted to film like the making of Batter, meaning they wanted to have the behind the scenes of them making the little kids into the you know the Michael Jacksons. But they wanted right. the behind the scenes not to be the real adult crew. They wanted it also to be little kids. So there'd be a little kid director, a little kid assistant <laughs> director, a little kid producer. And and there was a lot of young actors that were popular, like Goldberg, Sean was in that. Um, I was like a grip member, you know, where I put the lighting up. And then they mm -hmm. filmed all these scenes with us and and Mike, not Michael Jackson, his monkey bubbles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough, right? It never made it into the film or the DVD, right. which I think they wanted it to be on the DVD. It never made it into, but that was my first job ever. And I did get to go to Neverland Ranch for the premiere of Moonwalker, even though we weren't technically in it. It was just great to watch, now that I think about it, to watch Michael Jackson stand on his carnival podium and then tell, tell all of his kids that are in his Moonwalker movie that they're about to premiere at Neverland Ranch. He looks all over all of us. We're all got cotton candy in our hands, popcorn. <laughs> and then he goes, there's no rules. There's no rules oh, in Neverland. Man. I was like, I don't know what that meant. I should have spent the night. <laughs> that that is a surreal story. <laughs> Again, I don't want to, you know, get too mushy, but my life is insane with either working with amazing people that I've always huh. looked up to, or meeting some of the most famous people, or creating with people, or just in general, like I've been around some amazing people that have been on this earth. And so, again, not saying I'm going to die today, but if I did die, I'm very happy at, at what I've experienced in life. So I think I think like right around, you know, you did like an episode of Webster 2 around that time. That was a cool episode, man. I, I, I still need a copy of it. If anybody out there's got a, a copy of Webster, uh, it's called The Web Touchables. It's the final season. I think it's episode 14 it's called The Web Touchables. It's like an Untouchables remake with little kids as gangsters. It's great. <laughs> Dude, I will what? find it and I will get it to you. <laughs> yeah, I played the mayor. And then I'm, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a corrupt mayor. And I'm like, everybody has their price to sell bootleg root beer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I got to track this down. It's great. Yeah, I definitely need to see it, dude. It's it's hard to find, man. It aired like two months ago on, on like one of these 4.1 channels or whatever. And I... I couldn't get to it and record it, man. Sure, I've been looking for a copy of it. Dude, I have I have some friends that find like 
unfindable shit. So I will make sure to get that and send that to you and make sure you have a copy of that for yourself. I love it, brother. <laughs> if you can do that, that'll be amazing. I'll post it on all my social media because I'm proud of that little performance. We were all like politicians and little gangsters. It was great. <laughs> Dude, you were also on one of, I mean, Salute Your Shorts, is a, it, it, we're going to get to that, but you were, you were also, before that, you were on one of my favorite uh, television series as a kid that used to scare the hell out of me, uh, Tales from the Crypt. Ooh, um, Richard Donner, my boy Dick. Yeah, baby. You were uh, you were junior in uh, Dig That Cat, He's Real Gone with Joe Pontigliano. Yeah, so there's an interesting story behind me getting that role. Oh, dude, I was waiting, I've been waiting for this, tell me. <laughs> okay, so uh, Richard Donner was the creator that brought Tales from the Crypt to HBO. His name is Dick Donner. He directed The Goonies. And some might say that I am a chunk-esque actor. Um, I wasn't acting when they did the auditions for that. But around the time that I was doing the play for um, Quincy Jones at the Children's Museum in L.A., getting an agent, getting a little bit popular, there was rumors that a Goonies 2 uh, was going to be made. So they they reached out to a bunch of actors to audition. And I, I was one of the actors that actually went and filmed an audition. I filmed it. I didn't go in. But I filmed an audition to be Chunk. Really? Yeah, because I don't know if they knew if the real cast was coming back, if the kids were too old. I don't know what was happening. Uh, but that was one of my favorite movies. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, but I filmed the audition, and nothing came from it. I didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden, I get a call to go to an audition for a a new show called uh, Tales from the Crypt. And I'm going to Richard Donner's office, like in Century City or, or Westwood or wherever it was. I'm like, all right. I didn't know, but I had the script. I'm a little kid, like with an arrow with his dad at a carnival, you know, basically yep. killing, killing somebody for, for money that has <laughs> luck. But I, I don't really care. You know, it's an easy script to do. Just go in there and be me. Sure. I walk into the office and I know it's a producer session as opposed to just having a casting director. I'm at Richard Donner's office. There's posters on the wall, lethal weapon, uh, everything. And I'm just like, I'm a fanboy. Like, whether or not I'm an actor that's famous or not, I'm a fanboy. I'm yeah. like, oh my God, this is the Goonies director, the <laughs> Superman director that my dad loved. So I walk into, they're like, Michael, you ready? The lady walks me into the office. Then I see Richard Donner sitting at his little desk and table. There's a couple other people in the room, but I kid you not, right in like to the side of the room, they had a, I don't know what you call it, where you, a glass like box. Then one eyed Willie Skull was right there. Oh man, like oh a display case gosh. with all the stuff in it? There you go, display yeah. case. One-Eyed Willie Skull is right there with, like, gold doubloons or fake doubloons on the bottom. <laughs> oh, man. So they're like, oh, Michael Ray Bauer reading for the part of Junior or whatever. Then I, I was like, One-Eyed Willie! And I ran right <laughs> I ran right to the damn display case, man. And then I just started I just started talking to Willie. I'm like, how you been, Willie? How you, how you doing? And then R- Richard Donner is kind of an asshole. That's why they call him Dick. Oh. Okay. I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but he wants to get sure. what he needs done and he just go yeah. along with it. Then I hear, mm-hmm. you're going to fucking audition, kid, or what? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he fucking laid it down on you like that? Just laid it down on me like that. Then I said, wait, I go, I, and then I looked at him and I go, no, I'm talking to Willie. I go, I'm talking to Willie right now. You wow. can wait, Mr. Director, sir. I wish now that looking back, I wish I had the knowledge to make a joke and go, this is our time. 
This is my time right now. <laughs> but uh, so that's what I said. And then you hear a laugh from the room, right? So they literally waited. Then all of a sudden he gets up. Then he opens up the display case, hands me a fake gold like little coin that they had on there, like underneath. I got a gold doubloon from the Goonies. Dude. Wow. I like how you frustrated him to the point where he's like, fine, have something. I'm with a kid. <laughs> so he gives That's me he, he gives me the gold coin, but oh my God, I ain't gonna lie, man. My mom or my dad or somebody washed my pants and I don't know what the hell happened, dude. Oh, oh bummer. Man. Again, I was an idiot kid that didn't really respect things. I just threw it around or did something with it. Well, it wasn't real. It wasn't one of the real ones from the movie. I think they sure. had it there as like a just a crappy prop. little addition prop to the original one-eyed Willie skull that was there. Gotcha. Yeah, but that's still so awesome, dude. Even to have like a, a gold coin prop that was hanging out like with that original one-eyed Willie skull from Richard Donner. I don't know. That's pretty awesome, dude. <laughs> There's a video out there. I just found it maybe a week ago of somebody went to Richard Donner's office last year. And then while you're watching the video, I was like, dude, I was there. I remember everything. Then he even shows the skull. And I was like, there it is. Oh, man, he has it. In, he still has it right there, huh? It's still in his office. Well, you know, his wife is kind of I went to he had an anniversary dinner about a year and a half ago uh, with the the Academy and I was luckily able to go and he had like a birthday lifetime achievement anniversary dinner or something like that. Not dinner, but like an award ceremony. And um, I was able to to go to that and see some people, but there's oh, some, dude, there's some awesome. interesting stories from the set of tells from the crib. Oh yeah, man. Well, lay it on us. Okay. So I got the part, you know, cause I'm, I'm the best around. <laughs> Nothing's going to ever keep me down. Wait a second. Is this a, is this a Joey pants story? Dude, Joey Pantolano. He's pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. He, was, he was in yeah, Goonies man. too. He's a bit of a legend on this show. Oh yeah. The guy that played my father was the, um, the detective or the police chief in lethal weapon. Ah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That, you know, Richard Donner uses everybody constantly, but so we were working on tell from the crypt and, I had all day to walk around because they didn't get to my scene at the carnival area quickly enough. And I was feeling real sick. I was getting real sick by the end of the day. And um, they haven't gotten to my scene yet. But I was walking around the stage and they had the the early makings of the crypt, you know, and the crypt keeper. They had that little set like oh, right around there. Dude, it was right there? It was, it right, was there. Like right Oh, man, that's so awesome. But you got to remember, this is before the show came out. This is one of the first three episodes, you know, the pilot, right. they call it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, but I, I, I got to know that little area pretty well. And again, I wish it was the age of social media where I had phones that record. And <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I probably would have done all that. Uh, but. Long story short, so they were coming up on my, like, eight hours, you know, where I can only be there. And they were like, oh, we're not going to get to the scene for another hour or so. And then they told my father, uh, you know, can he stay a few, a little bit longer? We'll we'll give him some extra money, you know, a couple hours. It has to be your decision. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling good. Like, I'm getting a headache. I'm getting sick. I don't know what it was. And then my, around that time, you know, we were struggling financially, my, my entire family. And then I don't know what happened, but like my dad's like, you know, we're going to you're going to make an extra like thousand dollars for like if you stay here another two or three hours. And then the director uh, gave my dad a job as like a featured extra 
And then that would add, because you're featured, that would add another like $890 to my dad's bank account. And then my dad's like, come on, you got to do this. You know, we'll, we'll, get <laughs> you some, there, right? we'll get you some ibuprofen. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, dad. And then it, it ended up um, becoming one of the best memories of my father because he ended up in it as a featured extra. And, you know, he passed away a couple of years ago. Him and Dick Donner, they were talking because, you know, they became friends and they had a history of jazz music and loving jazz music and all that together. And they kind of became friends. So that parlayed into when I went to the anniversary reception just recently, I got to speak with Richard Donner, even though he's like 90 years old. I told him the stories again of how he paid our bills and saved my my rent and all that from us. You know, not I'm not saying we would be homeless but he gave my father a job and he's like, oh, I loved your father. I went to watch your father one night play. My dad used to play at a restaurant. And he's like, I went to see your father play at a restaurant one night. And they were fantastic. And I didn't know that. I did not know that Richard Donner went to see my, my father play. So I kind of have a history with Richard Donner and amazing people. And again, it's just fantastic, man. Dude, that is absolutely wonderful. What what instrument did your father play? My father is a uh, jazz drummer. A jazz drummer? Oh, I'm a drummer too, dude, so I can appreciate that. That's really awesome. The big band error disappeared, and, you know, unfortunately, that's what my dad would do for many years, you know, the big bands. Uh, if you know Buddy Rich. Yeah, oh yeah. My dad was Buddy Rich's backup drummer. No, he wasn't. Yes, he was. <laughs> Are you serious, dude? That's amazing. Yeah, like in the 60s and early 70s. Holy shit, that's incredible. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, no, my brother's name is Buddy. He was named after Buddy Rich. I was named after my mom's first sexual experience, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. But, uh, you know, long story short, we have a, a, a good jazz musician history. Oh, man, that is so awesome. Thank you, brother. So as we as we kind of mosey on, I'm going to save the willies for for the second half of this because kind of that's like the, our featured uh, kind of thing because we're going to do that as the ep- as the episode. Um, so I just want to I want to scoot down the lane right here and uh, can you want to talk about the Wonder Years a little bit and what that was like? What would you do if I stood <laughs> out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Come on, guys, land, land me. Come on, go with me. And I sing you a song. I would try not to sing at a key. To sing at a key. Boom, pa, boom, boom, pa, pa, boom. Is this where I admit that I am the worst with song lyrics? Is this where I admit that? <laughs> All <laughs> I, I need say, is I'm... my garbage movies. Have <laughs> yeah. a little help from my friends. I like that version. I have the memory of a goldfish, so you're really reaching to try to get me to remember those lyrics. <laughs> Little Joe Cocker for you. Oh my God, that's a great show, man. Looking back now, I'm 45 years of age. Oh my God, I miss all that I, stuff, dude. I used to watch it all the time. I was a I was a big fan of that when I when they used to air it on Nick and Knight, and I still don't know the fucking lyrics. Well, I bet you know the the lyrics to my Corona. <laughs> yeah, I hope I do. <laughs> that's an easy one. Do the safety distance. It's the safety distance. <laughs> You can okay, that's a new one. That's A A A A F F F F E E E E. I'm not doing the whole thing, but yeah. Safety, distance. You can distance if you want to. You can wear your mask, leave your mask behind. But if you don't mask, and if you don't mask, well, you're messing people's minds. Say, you can mask. You can mask. Everybody distance themselves. 
<laughs> oh my god. I, I, I gotta use that. Alright, so back to the Wonder Years. Uh yeah, that ended up being a fantastic show to be a part of. Um again, I was going around casting circles a lot, you know, for a lot of projects and auditioning. And I auditioned for one of the leads in the Wonder Years. I think it was the brother. It wasn't the the, the Fred Savage role. Or Kevin, right. the brother, because they didn't know what they wanted, whether a fat guy, this or that, a bully. You know, they don't know what they want. But the casting directors of that were also, around that time, they made the pilot to Nickelodeon, Salute Your Shorts. His name was Michael Kegel, Kogel, and he okay. was the pilot director of, or the first season director and the pilot of Wonder Years. He was the casting director. So he brought me in. And then that first season, they brought me in uh, for like a role or two, and I didn't get them. But then in the second season, the casting director, the assistants remembered me, and now they're the casting directors. And they brought me in like every year, and they gave me a part. So I, I did like four episodes of the one year for four seasons in a row. I play like a, a best friend. Uh, there's one episode where I like I'm an army kid. It's, it's hilarious. Like, literally, it's like I'm in every episode as a different person. I love that. They finally featured me, like, in one big role where they called me uh, Piggy, Peter Armbruster. They gave me a whole episode where, you know, it was about my heart and, you know, about disgusting people and how you can learn to love them and all that other stuff. That sounds awesome. I mean, that sounds like a great experience you had. I mean, did you get to hang with Fred Savage a lot? Yeah, dude. No. People don't know this, but like we're still friends to this day. Oh, that's awesome. You guys still talk? That's awesome. We talk, but again, I'm just going to be honest. Whenever people say that I still know people or I'm friends with them, it doesn't mean I hang out with them every day. It doesn't mean I call oh, them sure. every day. It just means like we're cool with each other. And if, yeah. if there is a moment that we force ourselves to go out or see each other, we're perfectly good friends and we do care about each other and we talk to each other on holidays. We'll send in... You know, how you doing? Merry Christmas or, or whatever the case is. Yeah, sure. How's everybody? You know, once in a blue moon kind of yeah, thing. I wish it was better relationships with some of them because maybe I'd get some damn work, you know, because he's a director <laughs> now. <laughs> but it's all good, man. But yeah, I mean, we became really good friends. We would collect football cards when we were on the set. They had a company called ProShet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember those. Yeah, in 1989. And we were big football fans and we would go out. Like at lunch, play basketball, uh, and then we would go to the liquor store down the street and we'd buy a box, a whole box, because Fred Savage had it like that. You know, boxes were yeah, like yeah, yeah. 40 bucks back in the days. We would just open up Pro Shet, man, looking for Deion Sanders rookies. And it was great, man. <laughs> man, that sounds like fun. And I see that uh, you're a huge Raiders fan. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big sports fan. I just always wanted to play football, you know, live football. I always wanted to be in a football movie. I had my chance with a couple of movies. I got real close for Remember the Titans, but really, yeah, that's pretty interesting. I had, I mean, I didn't realize that you that you auditioned for that. I mean, I guess I couldn't have known. Yeah. but that's, <laughs> but that's awesome. Well, do you remember the big fat character, uh, Ethan? Uh, Ethan Supley, yes. another friend of mine who I've worked with yes. many times. Evolution, yeah, Evolution. Uh, so I auditioned for Remember the Tri Titans about six times, and then there was a final audition, man, in L.A with Boaz, uh, the director, and we had a final audition, man, and there was like two of us in the waiting room. It was Ethan and me. So we went in, 
in front of Boaz. We did our thing. We had to sing the temptation song. We had to do a scene, a, a, a scene. Then we had to sing the entire temptation songs. I know you leave me. Like they just wanted to see if we would like sing the whole song. Right, right, right. So I learned the whole dance and everything because I watched a movie called the, the Temptations. It was like an ABC movie of the week special. It was great. But I did the audition, long story short. Then about an hour or so later, they mixed and matched us with a couple other actors. Then Boaz brings me into the room. He's like, Michael, we love you, but we're gonna go, we're gonna go with Ethan because um he's basically Hollywood fat. And I was like, I was a little taken back by that. I didn't understand what it means. Luckily, around this yeah. point, I'm like 18 years of age yeah. or 19 or two. I don't even know my damn age. <laughs> I'm probably like 19 or 20. And I was like, Hollywood fat? He goes, yeah. He goes, Mike, you're like five foot six, like 260 pounds. He's six foot five and like 500 pounds. He will look good on the field and on film. And I was like, I understand what you're saying. He goes, but I love the character you brought in. He goes, you brought in a character that should not make this football team, but you wouldn't end up making this team and you would be a part of it no matter what. And you would put your life on the line to make a play for this team. And then he goes, the other character, you know, he earned a spot. He's the strong man. He's the tall man. And he has that sort of power. And he's like, we're going to go with that because we want, that power and we want that Hollywood figure on screen. I was like, all right, no problem. So I left. Then I talked to my agent, told them what happened. And they're like, oh, then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, they're going to film the movie. They need a whole football team. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, I'll take a lesser part. If he really likes me, like he said, he did. I'll take a part with maybe one line or two lines or I don't care. Just, I want to be in this damn movie. It's my football dream. We contacted, you know, the casting director and all that. And they were like, Michael, you know, just wants to be in the movie. Can you put him up as a part of the team? Give him one line or take a lesser part or whatever. So they brought that up to Bo as the director. He And then he personally gave me a phone call one night. And he goes, dude, I would love to. But we're locally hiring a lot of those roles, meaning they're local. And he goes, we don't have to pay for hotels and all that. He goes... And then he told me, he goes, Mike, you're a major actor, bro. He goes, you know, we can't afford you and to pay for the hotels and the travel. And if you get injured, you know, we're going to have insurance problems and all that on the field while we're training and all that. And he goes, I don't want to do that to you. And I was like, I'll pay for myself. I'll do it myself. I'll, (laughs) I'll do anything. And he's like, I cannot in good conscience and legally put you through this. He goes, you're going to have many movie roles in your future. And he goes, I do not want to possibly injure you or doing anything like for a local hire or take money from your pocket to be in the movie. And I was like, all right. He goes, if we have any reshoots in LA and I can do something, maybe put you on another team or something like that. He goes, I will, I promise you, I will do that. And I was like, all right, thank you. But they, they never did. Yeah, that's a bummer, dude. I love that the casting process is such a pro wrestling like way of going about it. Like this guy has sufficient tall, so we're going to use him. It's a crapshoot, man. But again, I still have the script. It might be for sale if I need some money soon. <laughs> <laughs> don't go selling all that good stuff away. I don't have that much left over anymore. 
I lost a lot of stuff growing up, man. I, I mean, I could imagine. Oh, my God. I have pictures of me, Leonardo DiCaprio, Fred Savage, growing up, going to school. And then, like, I had a hard drive, like a one of the early one gigabyte hard drives that cost me, like, $9 million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And then I was washing a desk, and the hard drive was open. Like, it wasn't attached to a case. Kind of just open, hanging up, hooked up to a computer, and it fell in the soapy water. Oh. I would have cried. Oh, I didn't know what to do. And I took it to a professional person, but I took it to him, like, a month later. Because I heard it was going to be about <laughs> three, four, five hundred dollars I took it a mm-hmm. month later, and it got all rushed up. Oh, oh, damn. Yeah, so I had a lot of, you know, sex tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that, you know what, bro? That could have been the fucking gangbuster. Well, I'm telling you, I could have been the next Paris Hilton. It would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> or the next Kim Kardashian, whatever. Yeah, fuck it, right? <laughs> but it just sucks because I lost a lot of, like, growing up photos. And people, like, sometimes they're like, prove it, prove it. And I'm like, sometimes with certain things, I... I'm like, first off, I don't have to prove anything to you. That's my life no. and my memories. That, that's, that's a shitty thing to say to you, dude. If somebody comes up to you and is like, oh, prove it, I don't believe that. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Like, why would they have any doubt in their mind? Why would you make it up? <laughs> I am into conspiracies now, and so people consider a lot of that stuff fake or made up. They associate the two. So if I tell them an, like, an unbelievable story of how I became an actor with Quincy Jones, uh, Michael Jackson... And then they know I'm into conspiracies. They're like, yeah, you're full of shit, you know. But but it's all there, Mike. <laughs> like, there, there is a picture online where I made a video of, and I showed myself with, like, Ronald Reagan when I'm a little kid, how I went to the White House, but whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. Don't don't sweat those assholes. Trust I me. Know, but we all have an inherent desire to please everybody or to be Sorry, loved no. and wanted. No, for sure. Most actors, that's why they became an actor, is because... We want to prove something and be technically in our minds. We want to be better than other people. You know, I can't explain it. It's just. No, I, I get that. We want to be loved and fond. We enjoy the success. We enjoy the fans taking pictures and we crave it. The problem is after you get it, you crave it and you may not ever get it again. And that's the problem. It's like a drug. You know, when everybody loves you, you may not ever have it again. And that's the hardest part for actors and all that. Um, mm. people go, why aren't you working? Oh, I haven't seen you in a movie in five years or 10 years or your career's over. You know, you're, it's just really, really bad, man. So it makes us all feel bad, you know? That That's shitty, dude. And you know what? Like, I don't know. I'm sure you're looking, right? Aren't you? Are, you're, you I'm sure you're auditioning and stuff. Like, it, it just, it happens when it happens, you know? Yeah, for, for I've, been, I've been a little bit out of it for about five years. My dad got really ill. Um, well, that too. Jeez. I was forced to take care of him. I kind of stopped going to auditions. I stayed at home, made a YouTube channel or two, and I tried to be creative, but then I got unhealthy. Then my father passed. My brother had an alcoholic disease order. And then it just, I've been in a very negative spot for about five to six years and really hard to get out of it, man. It's really hard. I I can't even imagine. I, I can definitely relate to that though. Yeah. 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 I just, I just realized, you know, that I've had mental issues growing up. I just never really understood them until now. Sure. Now that I have so much time alone or, you know, I'm doing my, like I go, oh my God, I got anxiety. Oh my God. I, when I sleep for three days, that is depression. You know, like I'm yeah. learning all of that yeah, stuff. Dude. I, you know, hopefully you're on the mend and you're getting everything back together because uh, we need you, dude. <laughs> Thank you, brother. We need you to come back. We need you to do some roles. Yeah, there's no mental illness where I want to kill myself or anything. Like, I love life enough, you know, like, 
to, sure. to always want to continue, but it's just, just sometimes there's no passion, you know, like, yeah, no, I, dude, I totally understand that life <laughs> fucking beats you up. It's hard to get up sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> when you get older, when you're younger, you wake up, you got energy of a, of a seven year old, man. You're like, when you're younger, you're like, I'm gonna get up. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go here. Now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, get up, just stand up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> Just do it. It's so far away. Yeah. I need to make a whole cup of coffee just to to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just to wake up. Dude, please. When we when we get together for the show, all of us are like, all right, hold on, man. I need to go make a cup of coffee. I'm, I'm going to shoot down this energy drink real quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm drinking a Diet Coke right now, and I'm not even sponsored. We're yep. doing it at 10 o'clock at night probably for some of you guys. Oh, yeah. But we're but it's totally cool because we we love to do it and we wouldn't pass up the opportunity to talk to you. Podcasts are cool, man. I, I'm trying to think of a way to do one just so I have something to look forward to. You know? No, I I totally get that, man. But I, I don't. I mean, I'm not saying they're all the same. It's just there's so many. Yeah. Yeah. How do you pick, right? What niche do you pick, and then how do you separate yourself? I, I I'd probably have to do something controversial just to get any fans. You know? Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I mean, we do the movie podcast just because we like to talk about movies. Like, I, I am, like, reeling right now that I'm sitting here talking to you yeah. <laughs> and I'm interviewing you because <laughs> in my life, that's amazing to me. I grew up with you and, and it's it's just kind of like this bizarre thing where, like, you know, we talk about movies every couple weeks uh, that we that we like. Sometimes we don't like, but for the majority, we do like. Um, and it's just kind of neat. To, to talk to somebody who's in a movie that I really, really enjoy. You know what I mean? And part of my childhood, too. Thank you. I, it, I tried to mess you up and make you laugh with the video. Did, <laughs> did you see it? Did you see it? No, I didn't see Because my computer's on the floor. Oh, shit. Oh, what are you doing? I, I see you waving. I was trying to make you uh, laugh while you were saying all the nice things. <laughs> on the subject of creating a podcast or like coming up with a concept... Look, I have friends who have a show called uh, The Smallville Chronicles, but they're just watching every episode of Smallville in chronological order, um, which is nuts to me. So I'm fairly certain you could probably find something that really appeals to you. Uh, I can't imagine ever having to sit through that show ever again. So <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, right? You got to find something that you just legitimately enjoy. Um, and I think that's how, but I'm in it for, through. I'm in it for money nowadays. No, brother. I get it. <laughs> I got a taste of a little bit of YouTube success with my football channel, like in 2015 and 16. And like, it kind of, I was like, wow, I make more money technically from that than I even did sometimes acting. And I love football. So I was like, I wanted to make that my job. But nowadays they had the adpocalypse. Now it's harder to even make a name for yourself. Everything gets demonetized anything you say or do. And so now I'm truthfully not working as much in acting and I'm, I have to make money anywhere elsewhere. So like now if I start a podcast, it sounds real dumb, but I want ads and I want to monetize it because I am putting in the work. You know, I don't have enough money in the bank to just go, let me just like when I started my Raider channel, I was doing okay. You know, I was taking care of my dad. I had a little bit of money and I was like, let me just do what I love. And then I built it into somewhat of a business. But now I don't have all that, you know, extra stuff. So I'm like, if I'm going to put in that much work, I want to get paid. No, yeah, dude, I hear that. <laughs> Hence why I made you guys pay, what was it, $10,000 to do this podcast? I think it was ten five. I think. Yeah. I'm homeless now. Thanks. <laughs> I did go up in a, an extra 500 because I didn't like the title of your show. <laughs> 
Ah, fuck. Uh, we, maybe we should maybe we should change it. What do you think, guys? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> No, we put way too much that's, work into that's, it. That's too much work. Why can't you call it excellent garbage movie? <laughs> well, it's just the movie Dumpster, baby. We, we you know, there, you got a little bit of good stuff. You know, when one man's trash is another man's treasure. You that know what I mean? That is true. There is a lot of YouTube people that just jump into dumpsters and and resell GameStop video games or whatever it is. We're, we're picking out movies and we're being like, you remember this movie? It's actually really good and you should probably watch it. Do you remember a gnome named Norm? I wanted to ask this movie. Maybe you guys know it. I'm not really into horror films, but there was a movie I saw when I was a little kid really scared the crap out of me. And I don't know what it's called, where to find it or anything. I'm just going to throw it out there. But it was like four kids. I think it was two girls or three girls and two or three like high school students and they they're forced to like sleep in a mausoleum all night and then the bodies come to life and attack them while they're locked into a mausoleum is that that's not the gate is it no the gate no, was the other one with that little yeah. kid with the glasses i remember that one yeah that's with steven dorf and there's demons oh up. that's right it was steven that mother <laughs> yeah i haven't seen <laughs> steven in years wait wait are you are you talking about the original return of the living dead maybe no no it's like it was like a horror film where these kids they're like, hey, you know, I dare you to sleep or spend the night in the mausoleum. You know, there's ghosts or something. And then these three girls are like, okay, I'll go. And then three guys go there and they want to <laughs> fuck each other. But the bodies come to life. Again, I don't know the name. I'm trying to remember. There's there's a there's a horror movie called Mausoleum. That could be it. Uh, no, that's not what that's about. That would be so funny if he's like, they slept in a mausoleum. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to think because it might be... Um, you know, an episode of Tales from the Dark Side or Monsters or something, too. It was a whole movie. It was a whole movie? Yeah, it was a movie, definitely. Ah, oh, man, I'm usually really good at this, and I can't seem... To, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. <laughs> this is actually bothering me. <laughs> yeah, it's bothering me, too, because I'm like, I should know this. <laughs> Just write Teenagers, Mausoleum... You know, horror movie '80s. Maybe it'll come up. I'm gonna look into that. I'm gonna see. If, I'm gonna see if I can. I'm gonna see if I can jog your memory and see if we can figure something out. Because it is one of those movie dumpster movies, and you know, I figured you yeah. guys might know it. Yeah, man. Dust sounds it, like it. Diamond in the Rough. Definitely wanna. Definitely wanna check it out. If we can figure it out, that would be really cool. Um. Yeah. But uh, uh got a little sidetracked. But uh, I really enjoy that conversation. Um. I got all the time. I mean. There's no time constraints with me. You already paid uh, me. We're good. <laughs> okay, I I didn't want to. I didn't want to go over. Uh, a oh limit, no, trust so. me. I got a clock, so that, you know the minute it goes over, I want another ten grand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Yes. Yeah, so, so okay. So let's let's skip on down the road. Now, I do want to talk briefly about Salute Your Shorts for the listeners because um, I'm sure they're going to be wanting to hear some stuff about Salute Your Shorts. Um, so I want you to tell us the 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 worst experience on the show and the best experience on the show oh thank god when you said i want you to i was expecting to hear sing the damn theme song dude never <laughs> are you kidding me is that one you get a lot i mean all the time you know wow. but if if you want me to sing the theme song order my cameo i think it's like 40 or 50 dollars there you go <laughs> But um, say, hey. say the question again. I just thought it was funny. I was scared. I was like, I don't want to sing the song anymore. No, dude. First of all, I would never ask you to sing the song. Second of all, to our listeners, go on Cameo. Go find Mike. <laughs> and he will sing it for you for a fee because you ain't going to get it free here. What a weird thing to just ask somebody. Like, sing the yeah. song. Do it for me. Yeah. Did, no, no. Do you think Seth MacFarlane gets that sing the family guy theme? Oh, Maybe. My goodness. I've had this uh. one a lot. Hey, where do I know you from? I'll be like, I'm, 
I'll be like, I'm an I'm an actor. They're like, no, 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 seriously, where do I know you from? Did I go to school with you? I'll go, no, I'm an actor. I go, did you watch Wonder Years or Nickelodeon growing up? Yeah, yeah, I did. But seriously, you didn't go to Alameda High School? I'm an actor. <laughs> I'm on television. That's where you know me. They're like, okay, what about what about Burbank High School? I go, no, the truth is I fucked your shit. That's what happened. <laughs> Now, now you fucking know me, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your sister does for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So salute your shorts. What's your most favorite or what's your best memory from the show? And what's your worst memory from the show being on set? Okay. Being on set. You didn't mean from the episodes. No, no, no. I mean like behind the BTS, man. Behind the scenes. Oh, is that a, like a Korean boy band? <laughs> oh, I think BTS? Yeah, I think so. I think it is. Some K-pop? All right. What's my... Best moment behind the scenes. Um, like, what, would you, what was the most fun time you can remember having? I mean, besides making the show in general, because I'm sure it was a blast hanging out with everybody. Well, I mean, looking back, you know, now since I'm alone a lot, it's like, damn, I, you know, I want to go to work and I want to have something to do with my life. And I want to hang out with people that I consider a family, you know, like an alternate family. Uh, but best moment. You know what? I, I think it's that final episode. Uh, really? Yeah, Donkeylips, the character, kind of progressed throughout the years. And that's a credit to the writers. And then they finally gave me an episode where I became like the CEO of the Birdhouse Company. And for, you know, like a, a fat guy that was bullied, you know, just to give an entire episode where I become the king and like the godfather and, you know, basically... I had the power, uh, you know, was just something amazing that the writers gave to to a character or to, you know, kids that have been bullied or whatever. And I just thought it was really, really fun to play the lead, like, for that episode and to be the one that they all look up to. So, But it ended up being the, the show's last episode, and that was really, really sad to see. Was it the planned last episode or you guys was the plug pull? No, that was the season finale. And we were going to get like results maybe two or three weeks later in terms of if the show got picked up for another 13 episodes or whatever, you know, like that was actually the season finale for that one. We did not know at the time, but unfortunately we had a wrap party about a week and a half, a week later, maybe a week, eight, nine days later. And at the wrap party, uh, we, we just, Something happened before that season's end where, you know, the main creator, the writers kind of took a sabbatical um, in contract talks with Nickelodeon or something that happened like on the final two episodes and it led into them not picking up the show again. So when we had the rap, I think the writers and everybody knew some information that we didn't and we all kind of started crying because we knew it was our last time together. Oh, my God. Oh, geez. So I guess that's the best and worst. Is that the best and worst? Uh, no, that's not the worst moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's that's sad, though. That's such a weird, like, sadly indifferent way for that show to end. It's just like, yeah, yeah it just like just stalled and stopped. That's so strange, too, because it was, I mean, I remember, I, dude, I loved that show. <laughs> yeah, there was so. a lot There was a lot of, like, you know, financials that work there, uh, yeah. and a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes stories. I mean, I don't mind getting into it. I think it's public knowledge. I think there's a book out there called Slimed. It's a book that came out with behind-the-scenes of Nickelodeon. But, um, like I said, the writers, the show was getting, gaining popularity. I think it was one of the most expensive Nickelodeon shows to do. 
because we we weren't in the Florida facility. Um, so they had to, you know, outsource it in L.A. And we hired, like, the best directors. We had Peter Baldwin. He directed me in The Wonder Years. Wow. There's another story for you as well, you know. Uh, so the show was doing really well. It got nominated for an Ace Award, and it's getting real popular. And I think we needed more money for the third season. Some of us actors were graduating high school around that time. And I think Nickelodeon wanted to take the entire production to Florida. Um, and there were rumors that, you know, th- that's what they wanted to do. And we were, we signed an initial two season contract, you know, the first year. So our contracts were up and we were making the minimum on, on AFTRA, not SAG. We were AFTRA and the minimum was like a thousand five hundred an episode. And after taxes and agents, you know, we're clearing like 900, you know, something like that. And we only mm-hmm. did 13 shows a year. And then we don't get paid residuals. They can air it for five times on an after what? contract. Yeah. They can wow. air each episode f- four times. Then you get paid residuals on the fifth time. So every episode can be aired four times for free of charge. Then we get residuals on the fifth time. And, you know, the residuals go down like 15, 20% every time. So, yeah, the first time they re-aired an episode, you know, we probably got another $1,000 or whatever. But then again, you know, it goes down. So we're getting like seven cents now whenever they do air it. Oh, <laughs> you get they send you a check for seven cents. Oh, yeah. I got about 40 checks, not checks, but I got like bank deposit of it. Sure. I got, I got about 40 of them for multiple episodes for online, like iTunes and all that. I think it all came up to around 30 nine cents or something like that oh my god jesus dude. christ i'm kidding it was probably like a dollar fifty do you just like see that on your bank statement and just laugh like what how do you even react to that again there's multiple videos out there from other actors where they show a check and they send the stamp and the stamp's like 30 cents or 28 cents <laughs> or whatever and then the, the check right. is for like point zero one <laughs> It costs more to mail it. Yeah, it's not even a whole cent. Yeah. So wow. But they kind of do it differently now. They they let a lot of the checks accumulate, and then again, then you get a big check. You get a dollar fifty check after you yep. know forty of them come in. But whatever. <laughs> Quote unquote big check. A dollar fifty. I'm in the big books now. Woo, rolling in it, brother. Yeah, and then real quick, early on, um, we might have been Keenan and Kel, Budnick and Donkey. Uh, oh man, because they wanted the sh- they wanted the show to move to Florida, and then again, I, I don't think it was statistically in the works to happen because of the the writers, some of the cast members like me, because we were in high school. But we were told that the next year, like months later. I got a call. Uh, I'm pretty sure Danny did as well. But they said they wanted to create a show with me and Danny, but we needed to move to Florida and all that. And then the agent started talking about it, and they said they were going to create some sort of a show like with us. Dude, that would have been amazing. Yeah. That that might have been the Keenan and Kel because Keenan and Kel came out a year a year after that. Um, so I don't know if it was they were thinking about us or whatever, but we didn't we didn't agree to do it because. They didn't want to pay for our housing in Florida. They wanted to literally, they were going to give us, you know, like three, four, five thousand $5,000 an episode or whatever the contract might've been back then, like 3,000, 4,000. But, um, they wanted us to pay our own housing, meaning we had to relocate from LA and buy an apartment or something for like 20 something, three weeks. 
out there every month, you know, like a thousand, two thousand dollars. So I, I would have to pay rent in LA for my family. Then yeah. I'd have to pay rent in Florida for my shelf wow. while I'm filming. Oh, fuck all that. Like, what is that? Exactly. That's Nickelodeon, man. <laughs> That's fucked up, dude. I had no idea. So we turned it down. Plus, Danny yeah. was doing doing a bunch of music around that time, and mm-hmm. um, he was doing a bunch of voiceovers. And then, mm-hmm. luckily, you know, like I said, I got on Wonder Years, uh, mm-hmm. Friends, and I was I was doing okay, you know. So I was like, ah, whatever. We could talk about Friends a little bit. I mean, how how was that? The the prom episode? Yeah. Again, the casting directors uh, of the pilot of Salute Your Shorts. And some of the early episodes ended up becoming the casting directors of not only the Wonder Years, but also of Fringe. Man, it's all connected, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Hollywood is connected, bro. And again, uh, so I, I guess I was kind of becoming a little bit popular because I had the Nickelodeon show and a, a couple other guest stars or cameos like on California Dreams. And and, and just a quick side story. I was the original Screech. Get the fuck out of here. Holy shit. Are you serious? Yeah, there was an in-house production, they call it, in-house production of a pilot of a show for NBC Disney or Disney called Good Morning Miss Blish. And, um, you know, that was basically Saved by the Bell before it became Saved by the Bell. But they did a stage production, meaning they hired a cast and all that, and I was the original Screech. That's oh, man. nutty. I want to see that. You can't see it. It, it was in-house. They had an audience of, I forgot the guy from NBC, but uh, uh, there was like a executives and all that other stuff from Disney and NBC to buy it to see if they wanted to make it. So it was a live performance. I'm sure they filmed it, but you know, we it never came out to the public, huh. and it never was a pilot. And then all of a sudden, like I said, we did it. It didn't get picked up by NBC. And then two years later, Good Morning Mitch Bliss is on Disney for one year. And then they had Dustin. You know, so I knew I lost my job. They, they didn't like uh. me. <laughs> and like it didn't work out. And then he went from Good Morning Mitch Bliss to NBC and it became um, Saved by the Bell, of course. And then I visited his, the set one day. I literally, I was like, Dustin, I was like, motherfucker, did you know I was the original Screech? <laughs> he's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> but the truth is, he's the original Screech because I didn't get the job and he was the best for that job. Totally, man. But yeah, that's like super interesting, though. We ended up working together on a movie called She's Out of Control a couple years later with Tony Danza, Amy Dolans. Whoa. Oh, wow. Oh, oh, we, oh okay. So <laughs> we fucking interviewed Amy Dolans. <laughs> Yeah, we we just interviewed Amy. <laughs> I love Amy. She's awesome, man. Man, she is so sweet. Have you not seen She's Out of Control? No. Oh, my God. It's one of the best, like, early 90s, late 80s, teenage coming-of-age stories, man, with Tony Danza. Really? Oh, my God. Oh, dude. I'm writing this down right now. Yeah, because I got to see Checking this, Checking this out this weekend. How this eluded me, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, She's Out of Control. It was a girl that was an ugly duckling. Then all of a sudden she gets her braces taken off. She gets a makeover. And then all of a sudden these boys want to date her. And she's like 14 years of age. And Tony Danza oh, chases all the boys down. And it's- <laughs> dude, that sounds amazing. I definitely got to check that out. That's like right up our alley. Where were we? I, I forgot. Oh, I didn't finish talking about Friends. So um, I went into audition. Same casting directors for Friends. They just had their first season of Friends. I didn't watch it. I, I didn't really care. I didn't know. But apparently it was very, very popular that first year. So when I went into audition in the second season with the same casting directors that I met kind of like on Salute Your Shorts and stuff like that, again, I'm a little bit popular. So the, the next year they were, they were trying 
as casting directors, they want to hire as many cameos or famous faces as you can. Because once the show becomes popular, you got more money, you can get more famous faces, and the show can even become more popular where it has quality talent as opposed to yeah. newbies. So I went in, I did the audition, I got the job, I go on set, and I knew the show was popular. Uh, uh, I met everybody at the read-through. It was around Halloween time. Uh, so one day I went there, I wore a, a mask. I think it was, it was like a wolf mask or something. Like I wore it on Halloween day because we were filming or getting ready to film on Halloween day. And, you know, they were just like, who is this kid? Plus, I was bald. I had a, I had a bald <laughs> yes. head when we filmed it. So the, if you watch that episode or two, I have a wig on. But I became friends with Jennifer Aniston, um, kind of a little bit more than anybody. Uh, real quick, one funny story. One of the actors, they were already in getting residuals for the first season. And I'm sitting mm -hmm. at a table with the guy actor that played Ross. I can't think of his name, forgive me. Uh, Schwimmer, Schwimmer. David Schwimmer, yeah. David Schwimmer, yeah. His assistant or somebody comes up to him and, and lays down a bunch of checks right in front of him. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm sitting there like at the table waiting for a read-through or something. And then he just starts signing the checks like, and puts them to the side. And then, you know, I'm trying not to be nosy, but, you know, I know they're checks, right? And there was there got to be at least 40 of them on there. And each one said, like, 80,000, 70,000. I'm just Ooh. like, what? oh, my God. Holy shit, dude. Wow. <laughs> kind of blown away right now. Again, you know, the, when, back in the days when you would get a show, you know, uh, you would start at, like, 40, 50 grand an episode. You know, like, when you were Damn. just got the part, like, for the first season back then. Yeah. So these mm -hmm. residuals, you know, they might have been airings or two airings or something. I don't know. But, boy, it might not have been 80. It might have been a three. My eyes are real bad. But still, 30,000 as opposed to 80 yeah, grand. Dude. I'm still like, oh, my God. I was just counting up the money, and I'm like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and then, again, that's why five or six seasons later, they went up to a million dollars each per episode. Because they were already probably at the eighty thousand dollar mark real early. That that's so incredible, dude. It's amazing. Like, and then you know Jennifer Aniston's in Leprechaun the the year before she starts Friends. You know, I knew who she was, and, and yeah. again, I think that's why we became friends. Because maybe she knew me a little bit through auditions yeah. or, or TV shows. But I was kind of going out and trying to date women. That's why I was bald. I was trying to be a gangster or a rapper, or whatever the hell I was trying to do. So. I told her one day, I'm like, yeah, I got VIP at this club. I got like a red tape area at a club called The Arena. It's out in, you know, Santa Monica area and all that. She's like, really? You're going to go? I go, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to meet some honeys tonight. You know, this and that. And she's like, The Arena, huh? She's like, yeah, you know, I, I like to go out. I'm like, all right, whatever. I kid you not. She shows up. I'm at the club having like bottle service or whatever they call. Uh, and she shows up with Brad Pitt. Oh, <laughs> man. I'm like, what? She literally, uh, she finds me. She has like the ushers find me. And she's like, how you doing? I'm like, oh my God, we got to work tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like what's yeah. going on? It's like a Thursday <laughs> night. You know, we got to film on Friday. Like we do the rehearsals on Thursday and then we film on Friday. But it was a Thursday night club, you know? And I'm just yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. I just, she came out. She stood there for about 30, 40 minutes. And I met Brad. I was just like, oh shit. Dude. <laughs> And then they, they just left. And then, you know, I probably left around 1231 in the morning, yeah. you know, because I had to be on set at like nine. But like, it was just crazy. But 
it just we kind of became friends. And, you know, later in life, I'm friends with her on Facebook and just it's cool, you know, like we don't talk yeah, or no, whatever. But totally. Yeah. I saw Brad Pitt yeah. one day, too. I went to an audition and he opened up a production company and he was outside oh, smoking. Yeah, he was outside smoking. And I was like, that's Brad Pitt, right? <laughs> I walk up to him. I'm like, you remember me from the club? And he gives me a look. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. How you doing? How you doing, uh, Bauer? He goes, how you doing, Bauer? And he said Bauer. And I was like, wow. Dude, wow. that's that's amazing. <laughs> Again, everybody knows me, man. You know, like if you yeah. really meet a famous person that you know I've worked with, you just say, do you know Michael Bauer or Bauer? They're going to be like, well, oh, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, Bauer. No, dude, totally. I believe it. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, I think he went to high school with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he fucked my sister, dude. <laughs> Dude, Brad Pitt sounds like a really nice guy too. That's very, that's really cool of him. Yeah, again, we had a little history because I worked with a director, uh, the director of Salute Your Shorts, and I think maybe this is why him and, and Jennifer came or, or or befriended me or whatever because Brad was in a movie called Cutting Clash. Yep, I remember. I got that one on the shelf. <laughs> that was written by Steve Schlafkin, the creator of Salute Your Shorts. No shit. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was written by our creator of our show. Wasn't that, that was Brad's, that, is, that was Brad's first flick, wasn't it? I believe it was. That's why I believe he knew me. Maybe him and Jennifer talked about it. And when I got the part on Friends, they're like, that's the guy from Salute Your Shorts. Uh, cause I think it was a couple years after or like right around that time. And, you know, they just, the history of Salute Your Shorts and it just all came together. Dude, that's incredible. Uh, I, I, just to, just to stop you real quick, I am like enjoying this so much. <laughs> Uh, like I, I'm just having a really, really good time, and I just want to thank you. I'm going to thank you again later, but I just want to thank you in the middle here because um, you're giving us some amazing stories, and I'm just like sitting. I'm sitting here. I got my I got my beer, and I'm just like I'm I'm just loving this so much. I just wanted to tell you that. No, I appreciate it. But again, I don't tell people ask me why I don't like put these stories out there or really tell them a lot. First off, I don't do a lot of podcasters or whatever. I'm afraid of everything and everybody. But like, sure. I don't want to put it out there because again, I get the stories of, oh, you're full of shit or I don't believe you. And I feel the need to prove it. And sometimes I can't unless you talk to Leonardo or, you know, Jennifer Aniston or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know yeah. how to prove it. And I feel that need. And I hate when I get that, oh, you know, I don't believe you or so I can't, that's why I don't bring it up. Cause I don't want to present it to the public and have people not believe me. I don't want to be seen as a liar. I mean, of You're- course, I've lied in my life. We all have yeah. at certain times. And I've definitely, what's the word where you emphasize something a little bit more? Embellish. Embellish. But, yeah. you know, for a lot of these stories, again, they may be embellished, you know, or, oh, I had a drink with Jennifer Aniston. We both drank vodka cranberries. That might not be true. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be true, but but she was there. That she night. was there. She had a drink. I don't know if it was a vodka cranberry, <laughs> and I might embellish that I had sex with her the next morning <laughs> while Brad Pitt watched. But yeah, that's right? not the, that's not the truth. That's how he got his rocks off. Brad Pitt's that's a it. cuck. Apparently, he's a cuck. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You heard it here first, folks. Oh my, that's a soundbite. It's confirmed. It's confirmed. Uh, see again. You guys are gonna roll with that. And I'm gonna get all this hatred. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, stop! We're, obviously, we're fucking around, dude. Yeah, just having a good time again. Yeah, but that's the truth, you know. Like, and unfortunately, because I'm so alone, I don't know if I'm gonna have a career much. Again, those are my fears. But I'm just saying, like, now I like realize like how amazing all of these moments are, 
and I'm kind of reliving them, you know, like talking to you guys or, or I'll sit at home and I'll think about it and I'll be like, damn, like, you know, like my life is amazing. And I wish I could share it all with the world. I wish I had pictures. I wish I had video, but I don't have it for a lot of this stuff. It's only from my brain, you know? I think your word is just as good as any of, the, any of those things, dude. You've already proven yourself to be a hell of a storyteller so far, so, I don't know, maybe that's your outlet. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I think Connor's onto something. When you call it a story, that automatically, some people think it's a story, meaning it's fake. Yeah. You get it? I mean, you're always going to have those trolls out there. I mean, I know it's hard, you know, you hear these people fucking coming at you, and it's like, shit, like, what do I have to say to get these people to believe me? Again, they're either going to love you or hate you regardless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And fuck those people, dude. I hate when people meet me. Hey, hey, uh, can I get a picture? And I'm like, sure, sure, no problem. And then they're like, oh, you used to be my favorite actor. I'm like, oh, I used to be. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> what is that? That doesn't wow. even mean anything because, like, you're still the actor. Like, it's still a thing. Like, that's what I'm saying. Those those things are frozen in time. You know what I mean? But people don't know how to say it correctly. Like, they don't think about it. You know, like, when you, when sure. you meet somebody that you either enjoy, looked up to, or whatever, you gotta, you gotta approach them in a better way than that. Like, you gotta think about oh, what agree. you say. Because when you say, oh, you used to be my favorite actor. Oh, you used to be on... My favorite show. It makes automatically makes me feel old. And then mm. now I'm struggling in my own life for my own for a career. So when I hear it from you, it makes me feel bad again. So now I'm like, who the fuck are you? Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, dude. Totally. Excellent question. I hope I didn't uh I hope I didn't make you feel like that at all. No, ever. no, no. no. I, I just <laughs> Okay. Just sometimes people like but I question them on it, then I become an asshole. Sometimes they say it yeah. and then, then I give them a remark and I go, Hey, what do you mean used to? You know, then they, <laughs> sometimes they laugh and they're like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. But then other people like, well, yeah, I mean, you're not my fave anymore. Then th they feel <gasps> insulted. Then they Jesus. feel in insulted. And they're like, I always heard you were an asshole. Wow. You can't win. You can't win either way, man. That's fucking rough. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is what it is. You know what I mean? A a you know, you can't please everybody all the time. I got a million stories of things that have happened <laughs> against me or for me or whatever. That's the problem, man. I'm becoming an old man. You know how old people, all they do is tell stories? <laughs> My goodness, I am becoming that person. I got to tell you, dude, I'm here for it, for sure. I would say I'm transfixed, so. <laughs> yeah, so we filmed the Friends episode, right? So I, I'll just finish it because I know we need to move on. But uh, So like for I sure. said, I went to the, the nightclub that Thursday night. And then also on Wednesday night, I would have acting classes. And I went to school with like Tobey Maguire, Leonardo DiCaprio, bunch of famous people, man. It was a great class. Um, but on Wednesday night, I told one of the girls in my acting class, this real pretty redhead girl, I was like, yeah, I'm on Friends, you know. She's like, I love that show. I go, yeah, I'm on it right now. Like, we're going to film in front of the audience, like, on Friday. And she's like, oh, can you get me in? Can you get me in? I'm like, you know, you know can it be a date or whatever? She's like, I'll go out with you. She's like, I always thought you were cute. So... Like I said, so that Thursday night I go to the club because I'm I'm living life right now, you know. This is my young days, and um, that Friday comes and then I got approved for the tickets. So I called her up somehow from the shoot studio or the set, and then I was like, "Hey, I got you, you know, two tickets to come to the taping tonight." Uh, but my parts were kind of taped like earlier that day, like on a like a house set on the it's called the Warner Brothers Ranch. Uh, but my stuff was filmed like, you know, on a video. 
So I literally wasn't on stage because we were in a house going to the prom in that episode. So I got the luxury of being, being in the audience or meeting her in the audience and watching the whole show. But they brought me down before the show and they said, you know, meet your cast. And then we came running out and all that. And then so she saw the episode and she saw the cast and like, you know, a lot of them hugging me and, you know, Jennifer Aniston being real cool with me. And then I introduced her to Jennifer Aniston and everything at the end of the show because I was able to stay after they kind of removed the major audience. I went and got laid that night. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you very much, friends. And There you go, dude. Hey. That's a pretty damn cool thing to come out of Friends. Yeah, yeah. My, oh, her name was Wendy. She's awesome. I miss her. She's a cute one. Wendy with red hair. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait, wait, is that your girlfriend? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Fucked her too. All right. So on to X-Files. <laughs> Perfect transition. All right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about X-Files. I mean, like, what was that like? I mean, you know working with David Duchovny and stuff like that. Like, boy, we got a history, me and David. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, you do. This is, is this your first interaction with David? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I get the audition for the X-Files. I'm a big fan. Uh, mm-hmm. and the audition was at 20th century Fox. Uh, was it Joseph Middleton, the casting director? I'm not sure, but, um, I don't think it was Joseph Middleton. That's another asshole casting director. Um, uh, so I go to the audition and there wasn't, a lot to the script. It said something about like, I was a virtual reality soldier of fortune and we're running around shooting guns. And we're saying like, you know, you know, watch your back. I got your shit, you know, flank, right, flank, left. Like there wasn't much acting to the, to the three page script or whatever it was. It was like more so action. And again, I'm bald. You know, I had a lot of years where I was bald, you know, cause mm-hmm. I was kind of living that lifestyle and, and enjoying that look. And it's a good character look as an actor, you know. So I go to the audition, and it's a producer session, meaning you're not only meeting the casting director or they're filming it, that you're automatically in there with the writers and the producers and maybe the director. So because I was a little bit popular with some casting directors, they knew I would bring in a good audition no matter what, or I had a face that was a little familiar or whatever. So I go in and I'm like, man, there's no acting to this script. I go, what can I do to stand out? Because as an actor, you're taught to stand out. There's millions of actors that they all do the same thing. What makes you stand out? What choices do you make that are different than the mainstream? So I was like, there's not a lot of acting to this. And I know it's a producer session. So they opened up the door a couple of times for like another actor or two. I think Seth Green was one of the actors maybe around that time that even interviewed for that. Um, But I saw them on a couch. I saw like three people on a couch and it was like, uh, it wasn't Cameron. It was um, Chris Carter and maybe the casting director or whatever. So long story short, I'm like, man, I got no acting. So I don't want to stand there. And then they say, okay, start. And then just stand there and go flank, right, flank left. You know, like you got you with no action. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to start the scene. The minute I open the door. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. You just throw him right into That's it, right? Awesome. Instead of them saying, oh, this is Michael Bauer. He's reading for the part. You have any questions? You know, this and that. You know, none of that. Fuck it. Just start. So they open yeah. the door. I'm like, what are you guys doing? We got enemies out there. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know, then I stood right in the middle 
And then I said, get up, get up, get up. We got enemies coming after our six. Like I made up these lines. Then I got Chris Carter to stand up. I got the <laughs> casting director to stand up. And then I said, go behind the couch, hunker down, hunker down. Let's go. We're going to get these guys or whatever I'm saying. That, literally, I went in the middle of them. And then now I got Chris Carter to my left, the casting director to my right, maybe a producer to the other left. And then I'm looking at him with my eyes like, and I look at him, you got me, you got me, Flake Wright. Because those are my official lines that started the scene was like, yeah, come on, Flake Wright. Then I started the scene. I look at him, I'm like, you got my six, you got my six. All right, Flake Wright, Flake left, go. And then I get up and I, then I ran in front of them. Then I get shot in the scene. And I did that whole motion where I get shot. And I'm like, oh, and then all of a sudden, they're just still behind the couch. <laughs> I'm like, all right. So then I was done. And the, I don't know if they filmed it or not. I was like, all right, you guys, you gentlemen have a good day. I just literally left. I got home about an hour later because I had to go from downtown L.A. I got the part right away. Bam. Just called me and gave it to me. There you go. That's because you just fucking whooped that out. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just imagining you like kicking a door open and like diving into a room just like <laughs> like pantomiming a gun. I love it. Ugh. Don't use props in auditions sometimes though. I had to eat in candy in one audition and I fucking almost choked Paris Hilton and me out. And, oh my god, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I brought in like this fake candy. Like there was a movie called The Hottie and the Naughty with Paris Hilton and I, I went into like a final audition to play like one of the, the guy leads or whatever, the funny leads. And I had to like feed her candy or something like that. And I had to eat candy and do this whole speech, like a funny speech. And then <laughs> she's in the audition with me and I'm throwing candy at her mouth. One hits her in the damn eye. <laughs> then I had to eat the candy and do this whole speech, like a funny speech with candy in my mouth. So I'm like, oh, oh, oh. and then I start choking. <laughs> then I, I literally start choking and I'm like, <laughs> And then I hit myself, and the candy comes out. Now it goes in. She had a, a a shirt with cleavage. The candy goes into her damn cleavage. Oh, my God, dude. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm doing the scene, and then I'm choking. They don't know if I'm dying. The, the candy went in her cleavage. Then I start, because I'm stupid. I'm like, oh, hold on. Let me get that. Now, as a stupid idiot, I'm trying to reach and pair Tilton's cleaver. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Your fucking heart must have been moving a mile a minute. Dude. Everything went wrong, and then I didn't get the part. Uh, you got a good story out of it, at least. Yeah, I... It was hilarious. How, how was Paris reacting to all that happening before her eyes? I don't know. She she probably would have made it a meme or made it a song. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, you're we probably right. La Candy. <laughs> I don't know, man. But again, that was around the time after her sex tape. And truthfully, as an actor, I had no respect for her when I went in. I didn't do it purposely, to be you know, to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, sure, I get it. I have no respect for some people that are so damn famous. They get parts in movies without even auditioning or going to acting classes. Like, that really bothers me. Sure. I mean, what I, I think the only notable thing that I even remember her from, she was in that House of Wax remake. Um, oh, yeah. She, that was a movie. I remember that one. Yeah, I think yeah. she gets it through the eye. A fucking piece of wood or something gets her. Yeah, she gets a pipe through the head. Right, right. But, you know, she has she, she has all the panache of a fucking, you know, wet paper towel, dude. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, who, who gives a shit? <laughs> who cares? Well, Eric MacArthur, the, the guy that played Michael on Salute Your Shorts, Later in life, directed her in another movie with Jay Muse from Ke or Jay and Tyler. Oh, Bob. really? I forgot the name of the movie. Uh, but yeah, he directed her. Interesting story, man. 
Too bad I didn't get invited to the premiere. That would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> or like, hey, wanna wanna act in this? Oh, dude, my my agent got a handful from the casting director after that audition, boy. They're like, dude, Paris Hilton is, is not happy. Uh, Michael should never bring props or food into auditions. <laughs> oh, no. uh, you know, Michael didn't have enough respect to stop. I'm like, wow. It's, I've had a lot of, again, because I go, I do weird things and I take chances. Yeah, sure, man. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But if you don't take them, how are you going to know? Correct. Right. And you again, know? I'm always memorable. That's what I was exactly going to say, because that's, that's super memorable. Whether you like me or hate me, no matter what I do, I'm always memorable. So that's a good quality to have. All right, on deck. What were we? X Files. <laughs> you okay? We talked about the audition of X Files. I get the job right, so I'm yeah. thrilled because I'm a fan, dude. I'm like, oh my god, X Files. <laughs> and then around that time, I bought like a little eight millimeter camera, not an old school camera. What are they called? The beta, uh, the, ta- not beta tapes. The high eight. High eight. There yeah. you go. So mm-hmm. I contact uh, Chris Carter and the producer, and and I say, hey, I'm. I think vlogs or something were starting around this time, or I just wanted to film my life. I was like, you know, like I said, I had some sex tapes out there back in the days. Uh, But uh, I was filming things, and then I asked permission if I could uh, film some stuff. And then the the feedback that my agent got to me was, uh, you can only film yourself. And I was like, okay, cool. So I can only film myself, you know, like in the trailer or this or that, you know, whatever, talking or whatever. Uh, and they said, you, if you're going to release the footage or share it, you cannot do anything till a month after the episode airs. Gotcha. So I'm like, cool, you know, no, no problem. I agree. So I get to the set, I get out of my car and I guess I'm one of the early vloggers or whatever, but I'm just kind of like, oh my God, I'm going to the set of X-Files and you know, this and that. And so I start filming myself in the trailer a little bit, not a lot. Then I decide to walk around, uh, the trailers and they have the makeup trailer and the this trailer and the that trailer. So, you know, I got into wardrobe and all that other stuff. And then I just start walking by the makeup trailer. There's a door open and they have mirrors in these makeup trailers. So I start walking the camera, you know, here's the makeup trailer in front of me. I start walking by it and I'm like, oh, this is the makeup trailer. This is where they're going to make me look beautiful into a soldier of fortune. Then I have the light on top of the camera, you know, because it has a little light. And then the doors open, and apparently David Duchovny sitting in the makeup chair. Oh, man. So I walk by, you know, with the light, and then they notice me. And this is around the time David Duchovny is suing the producers of The X-Files because they sold the rights to TBS for like 100 episodes or 80 episodes or whatever. And David Duchovny feels that they sold it for less than it's worth. And David Duchovny wanted more money in terms of the sale, you know, for himself. Sure. It's like season eight or something like that. And so he's suing the producers for the sell to TBS because he wants more of the pot, more of the pie. This was right around the time he left too, right? Because this is around what you This is one year before he left. Yeah. The next season, I think they had the two new yeah. cast members or whatever. Uh, so I walk by, you know, the trailer, film him. And then all of a sudden, maybe about seven minutes later, eight minutes later, I'm kind of walking toward the parking lot. They had the craft service area. And I'm like getting crap service. Man, these fucking security guards, they just come and grab me. And then they, <laughs> they kick me off the set. They're like, give me your camera. Give me your camera. You're coming with us. You know, we're calling the police. What? Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm starring in the episode. I start saying, I go contact the producer, contact Chris Carter, you know, contact the assistant director. 
you know, whoever, the PA that brought me into the trailer. Oh, man, they thought you were there just, like, filming, like, stuff, like a crazy, like, fan or something? Yeah, yeah, so they're, they're kind of walking me out, and then I'm just screaming, I'm in the episode, I'm in the episode. Then finally, like, a PA, again, the one that helped me out, comes out to me, and it's like, Michael, what happened? I go, I don't know. Uh, they go, they're saying that you were illegally filming on the set and all that. I go, it wasn't illegal. I go, Chris Carter and the producers and all that, they approved it. And then they're like, well, they said that you were filming David Duchovny and he cannot be filmed and that's illegal. And I'm like, I didn't film David Duchovny willingly or anything like that. And they're like, well, let's look at the tape. So next thing you know, they take the tape to Chris Carter, who's sitting, you know, in front of the monitors, you know, filming their stuff with the director. I think the director was Rob Bowman or something like that. Um, He's a cool guy. I love that dude. And we also had the guy from Breaking Bad. He was like an assistant director on that episode. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Vince Gilligan? Yeah, he was one of the producers and stuff of the X-Files. And he he assistant directed that episode a couple of shots. Like, oh, my awesome. God, I worked with Vince Gilligan as well. <laughs> it's just amazing. Uh, so they, they look at the tape. And then all of a sudden, I get let back into the set. And then Chris Carter has a one-on-one with me. He goes, Michael, he goes, yeah, um, yeah, you didn't really film David willingly and all that. He goes, we handled it. He's pissed off. Nobody can film him. We told you not to film him. He goes, Mike, we handled it. David Duchovny is being an asshole right now. Uh, and I didn't know why until I researched it later. And then he's like, just don't worry. He goes, but no more filming if that's okay with you. He goes, we'll give you some production stills or something like that you know, for your future. I'm like, all right, no problem. And he's like, don't worry about it, Mike. So then we had to film the show. And then, you know, David's walking around. I didn't really have any scenes with David, but he was there. And then, you know, we saw each other. It just looks where it came. And this was also, we had to shoot guns. And apparently Brandon Lee died on the movie uh, The Crow maybe eight months earlier or Ooh. nine months. So we had like all these gun wranglers teaching us how to shoot making sure, you know, everything we were shooting was, like, well-maintained. It was a big deal, dude, um, around that time. So that's an interesting yeah, story. Especially after a tragedy like that. Yeah, and there was, like, a lot of negligence involved in Brandon Lee's death and a lot of, like, bad decisions and, like, lack of supervision. None of that really surprises me. It was yeah. just crazy because if you watch the episode, I think it's in some of my uh, demo reels online, but if you watch the episode, we shoot guns and we're really shooting and all that. And we're in, in the, we're in the middle of downtown LA where they filmed the Fast and the Furious. Look at that location. That's where all the cars in Fast and the Furious come up in, 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 in the first Fast and the Furious where all the cars come up, you know, Vin Diesel. We're at that same location, man. It's pretty awesome. And we had like a naked girl kind of like in her little, <laughs> little virtual reality outfit and stuff like that. And we're in the middle of downtown LA. I'm getting like three, four, five thousand dollars to shoot in downtown LA with a naked girl, shoot guns. Oh, what a life. <laughs> Living the dream, right? Yeah. So you you want to hear the meeting with David Duchovny later in the future as well on evolution. Oh my God. Well, I was about to just skip ahead that. Cause now I'm just kind of curious and, and I, if that's okay. Cause I, I'm just like, you got me on the hook now. Now I'm interested. Cause I haven't seen that movie probably in 10 years, but I remember liking it a lot. Yeah. So long story short, uh, well, if you want to continue with TV, we can go into dark angel, how the X-Files transitioned into Dark Angel. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind, yeah. I'm talking so much, man. I haven't talked as much in a while. Dude, loving it, and I hope you're having a good time because we sure are. <laughs> I would have hung up hours ago. Oh, okay, good. 
I'll say this is your show so far. We're just a captive audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Dark Angels and Jessica Alba and stuff. I love Jess. Jess is awesome. I I met Jess many years earlier on a movie called Idle Hands. Yes, yes. We uh we did that movie on the show about two years ago, year and a half ago for our Halloween uh, special. Oh, I should have got you guys in touch with Eldon. Oh my god, that would have been great. Man, oh that would have been cool. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I worked with Seth Green uh, years earlier on a a movie show called what was it called? Uh, the day my parents ran away. It was like an ABC or Fox movie of the week. Uh, and I worked with Seth Green on that. And then, long story short, I I, grew, I worked on a movie. Uh, called Marilyn Hotchkiss Ballroom Dancing and Charm School with another actor named Eldon Henson. He was also mm-hmm. called Eldon Ratliff um, as well. And he was in the Mighty Ducks and all that. Um, but again, like, so we have a history. So he was working on Idle Hands and he invited me to the set one day and and then Seth was like, yeah, bring him on down. So I went to the set of that as well one day and I met Jessica on one of, one of the days and I found out she lived, she grew up in like in the Burbank, Glendale area and we were kind of living close to each other and eh, whatever. But that's a story for another day. Then I also went to the set way back in the days with Seth for uh, what was the movie where the kid ate the burrito? Damn skater movie. Oh, my God. With Jack Black. Oh, that's where I met Jack. It was a skater movie with some, like, California kid going, all you need is a burrito a day. Airborne is the name of the movie. That's it. Oh, my yeah. God. Watch Airborne, guys. There's a scene. This was the day I was visiting. Seth does it in every project. Apparently, he did it when I did the movie of the week with him. Uh, he did it on uh, Idle Hands, and he did it on uh, Airborne. So he starts out, you know, when you start a scene, when they say, you know, three, two, action, you know, you're supposed to, you have to give it a second for the audio for recording, and then you start your scene. Well, sure. some, sometimes they, they want banter. They want banter before you actually start the scene. Just make up a little line or a story and then get into the scene. So that way it looks like you're having a real life moment that instead of just waiting for the writing. Right, right. So, you know, so Seth is very known for this. Every time they start a scene and they, you know, he does a banter. He does some sort of a stupid joke or a banter. You know, then the scene starts. I don't remember the one from the movie we did, but the one he did on Airborne. When I was on the set at a cafeteria, they're like in a cafe or in a restaurant sitting at the table and it's in the film. <laughs> it ended up making the film. He goes, all of a sudden the scene starts where they're in the cafeteria, the camera pulls up and you hear Seth go, and I killed her. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh my God. And it, it ended up in there. Is it really? It's in the film. You hear him go. You can barely hear it because they didn't they didn't t- turn up the volume or anything. Right, they didn't duck it. Yeah, he's like, and so I killed her, and he's laughing. <laughs> the scene starts, or Jack Black or the kid from Airborne is like, yeah, I need a burrito, or I talk to Stacy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, and it, it, it's in every movie, even even my movie of the week. I, I'd have to watch it back. It wasn't that funny, but it, I think it's left in a little part of it where he's laughing at the end of it. And I'm sure there's one in Idle Hands. I just haven't watched the movie in years. Oh man! Wait, I, now I got to look for it because we're doing ticks, 
and, and that's what we interviewed Amy for. So I got to look for I got to look for that <laughs> in Tix and see if I can spot it. Is Seth in Tix as well? He probably was. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he's the lead. That kid did everything, boy. He was on everything. Yeah. Oh my god! I I drove up to him one day. He was at a Kinko's, like a copy facility in North Hollywood, and I knew it was him. He was standing there in the corner. You know, he was kind of into like. This is around the time he did the commercial cha-ching for rallies or whatever. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw him in my neighborhood at Kinko's, and I was bald. You know, I looked like a gangster rapper. And Seth is a white guy, like, with red hair. He's in North Hollywood. He's probably already afraid. And then I, I, drive, <laughs> I drive up to him in a car with rims and a stereo speaker system. And I'm a bald head, and I kind of look, you know, Spanish or Mexican or, or like a gangster. And then I'm like, what's up, Seth? And he's standing there outside Kinko's looking at me. <laughs> and he, he doesn't recognize me. I'm like, what's up? And then I get out the car. He jumps. Oh, man. <laughs> and I'm like, Seth, it's Bauer. It's Bauer. And he's like, oh, shit, how are you? But he's shaking. He's visibly <laughs> shaking. Oh, man. Oh, my God. And I never oh. left, let it down, man. Many years ago when Facebook came around, I found his Facebook and all that. And I was, like, trying to add him and be cool. And then, like... He didn't want to add me or whatever. Then I wrote him a letter one time. I go, dude, I probably really freaked you out that day. I go, I apologize. I didn't mean anything by it. I was pretending to be a gangster, living the gangster life. <laughs> and then, you know, then he actually added me on, 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 on Facebook again. And we kind of talked a little bit, but it was all good. Oh, man. Sorry about the time I freaked you the fuck out. <laughs> well, you were just trying to make some copies. Sorry about that time that you thought I was going to beat you to death. Uh, again, but he was alone, you know. He's a little famous dude at that time, too, as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Oh, my God. I got to slow down. I too many stories in my head. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, brother. Where were we? We were... Uh, Dark Angel. Yeah, okay. So, uh, the episode of Dark Angel came about. Uh, got the audition. Uh, I went in for a pre-audition because it was a big role. Uh, apparently... You'll find out why later it was a big role. I had to go to a pre-audition, meaning like you audition with the casting director, they give you notes, and then they bring you back with producers, writers, whoever. Uh, so I went to the pre-audition, did the job. There's a lot of actors there, man. I just thought it was like a one-episode deal. <coughs> Excuse me. And then um, did the audition. They gave me some notes. They said, come back, you know, uh, we're going to bring you back, and then do it. And then I did it again. I came back. They filmed me. Then I had an audition. Uh, it was like a third audition, and it was going to be like at some location in like Hollywood. And so I w- was really working on my my. This is around. The, I had two auditions that day. I had the the Dark Angel final audition, and I had like a a second audition for Varsity Blues on MTV. They were making a TV oh, show really? called Varsity Whoa. Blues. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that was spin off from the movie, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. So. They wanted me to go in, you know, like the guy from Varsity Blues, and I had that audition earlier in the day, but I, I didn't kill it. I just went in there, I need to talk to Bacon! <laughs> <laughs> I, I more cared about the James Cameron um, show, because it was the second year, and there was a lot of a lot of stuff going into it, and I cared more about Cameron and science fiction than I did fucking Varsity Blues. Sure. Oh, sure, dude, without a doubt. So, But I went into the Varsity Blues audition, and then... I decided to stay in Hollywood and I had like about two and a half hours to kill before the next audition. So I went to the alley, but between the building of where I was going to do the Dark Angel audition and there was like a little house or facility that said like, you know, being rented or or something like available office space or something. So I'm in the alley between there. You know, that's what actors do. We 
sometimes we go to the side of a building or stay outside and rehearse before we go in. So I'm, I'm sitting there rehearsing, doing my lines in the alley, and I'm kind of toward the edge of the alley, you know, between the, the buildings and whatnot. And then all of a sudden, I hear, so, how do you think you're going to do? And I go, huh? He goes, for the audition, how do you think you're going to do? Now I look up. It's James Cameron. Oh, wow. Dude. <laughs> this is like an hour and a half before, you know, something like that. And he's like, how do you think you're going to do? I go, oh, my God, it's James Cameron. Holy shit, dude. I go, I got this. I got this. He goes, so you're a confident young man. And I go, yes. I go, I got this. This character is me. He goes, well, don't be too confident. Sometimes you can blow it if you're too confident. It looks too rehearsed. Thanks for the pep talk. <laughs> I was like, I go, no doubt. I go, you're going to be hiring me after this. And then literally, I don't know why I do these things, but I, <laughs> I, 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 cre no, but I create moments like you would think most people would say thank you or nice to meet you. But like, yeah, I don't know. I had I have this inert thing where I all again, I always want to be memorable and I want to create a moment that even for somebody of celebrity status will never forget. I don't know why. Like, basically, I'm I'm over the top. So I just said, no, I go, you're going to hire me. And then I, I walked away. And I also said those words a while to Steven Spielberg the same way. But I was like, no, you're going to hire me. And then I just turned my back. Well, you got you to gotta put your foot down. You got to stand your ground. Yeah, man. So, but I tried to get a sneak in, you know, like I tried to run and look over through the corner of the alley and see where he was going. Is he going to the office? He's right behind you. <laughs> no, he rented the house that was like adjacent <laughs> to the corner. Oh, no shit. That was his office space. And they had CCTV. <laughs> Apparently they had CCTV connected to the offices so he can do it like from a house location as his office right. and then all the other people could work in that in, the, in Cameron's office or wherever it is and he can watch it all on CCTV so uh, that's crazy so I went in I did the audition but here's the funny thing the reason I was rehearsing that day more was because um, originally they gave me like three pages or something like that then on the second audition, they I think they added like a fourth page. Now this time they added like a whole nother five page scene, and wow. they said they said we're going to do this scene. We already got you on tape doing the other pages, so today we want like this whole new scene. I'm like, okay, cool. So that's why I'm rehearsing it even more. So I get into the audition. There's a damn table, like of ten people, executives, producers, writers, whatever. It was intimidating, bro. Then I see two cameras and I kind of figured out that because the sign said CCTV on, on the edge of the house. There was a little like sign in TVs. It said CCTV. I didn't figure it out till later. I was like, damn, sure. Cam Cameron's watching. I, I go, I know. I know that Cameron's watching. Big brother. So I sit down. They're like, do you have any questions? This and that. You got the new scene. I'm like, yeah, I do. They're like, okay. Uh, yeah, you don't have any questions? I'm like, no, let's just do it. So I do the new scene. Then they go, okay, thank you, Mike. They go, Mike, do you need to take a minute? We want you to read the original scene from like five days ago. They go, uh, do you need the script again? Uh, you want to take 15 minutes, go outside. We want you to do the scene again, you know, live for us, this and that. They go, do you want the script, take 15 minutes or something like that? I go, wait a second. The scene, this one, and then I, I got my bearings, right? And it came to me from flash memory. And I go, no, I think I'm good. 
They go, really? I go, yeah, do you guys have the script? You know, the, the scene, the casting director, whoever's reading with me, they're like, yeah, we got it. I'm like, we're good. Just give me the first line again. All right, it's that scene. And then I'm like, bam, I said it out loud. Boom, go. Then we did the scene within like one minute or two minutes. I get home. About two hours later, it's around 5.30, 6 p.m. now. Bam, you got you got the job. You're going to Canada. Uh, all this other stuff. Hell yeah, man. You keep saying you don't know why you do these things, but it seems like it always works out for you. So. <laughs> Correct. But, you know, so I don't know. So I went to Canada and then I went early. I went like a week and a half early. And this is around right after 9-11, man. Uh, mm. So right, yeah. there, was, there was a lot of like, um, you know, like procedures and this and that. Yeah. And oh, I, had, yeah. I had to get a work permit. It was my first time out of the country. I had to get a work permit. Uh, I went there early to work with the director. His name was what? Williams? Fuck. But he ended up being one of the creators and directors of Lost. Oh, yeah. His name was something Williams. He was like a black gentleman. He was the director sure. of my, my Dark Angel episode. But they gave me a, a damn suite like two weeks early to work with the director and, and do all this stuff while they're filming uh, because they didn't know the procedures for 9-11. And then it was going to take like 10 days to film the episode. Then we had like reshoots. So there was like another two weeks added. Then they had audio that they needed to redo. So basically I was up there for like two and a half months, man, up in Vancouver. And they paid me all this whole time and I had my own suite. And I ended up making out with French girls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was so great, dude. I went to a strip club with some of the actors on the show. Jensen was one of them. Uh, Jensen Eccles is on Supernatural. Oh, I love Jensen Eccles. And then the blonde girl, sh- she was Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend at the time, and she had to leave the set of Dark Angel. She was the blonde girl. She was in the movie with The Rock, where she played his wife, where The Rock have to, has to save a town. Oh, uh, Walking Tall. Yeah, she was in Birds of Prey. I think she was one of the main girls in Birds of Prey, not only Dark Angel. But I went to the strip club with her, but she was dating Ashton. And I just finished Dude, Where's My Car a little bit before that. Oh, I'm not, I can't give this story away, dude. It'll come back to, yeah. <laughs> Again, if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, don't. <laughs> I can't do it. It's a tabloid type <laughs> that involves Ashton and his ex-girlfriend and all that. Plus, I grew up with Brittany Murphy. Then Ashton ended up dating her. Oh, geez, yeah. They broke up. You know, I'm not going to say why or whatever. And then I had Brittany calling me. And then I told Brittany the story of what happened with this blonde girl while she was dating Ashton. And then she's like, it all makes sense now. Oh, no. <laughs> Ashton's a ladies' man, put it that way. I talked to Ashton while I was on the set of Dark Angel. I get a phone call. He's like, what's up, dude? It's like, oh, you're on Dark Angel now? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm dating, you know, that girl, this and that. She said she loves you. We're so excited to meet you. She's a big fan of yours. I'm like, all right, thank you. So I. I did the episode of Dark Angel, uh, had a fantastic time, and me and Jessica, we met each other earlier. She w- The reason the show was canceled, there was one moment on the set of Dark Angel where Jessica, she's a, a fond over celebrity, meaning she's beautiful, she was growing into her own, but she was marrying the other actor on the show around that time where they were dating. Uh, he became on NCIS or whatever, but the show wanted to sell Jessica Alba because she was on magazine covers and and all that other stuff, you know, with Cameron the year before, you know, for the publicity of the show. 
Right. Uh, so, but this season she's dating that guy and he kind of held her on a leash. They were having a photo shoot on one of the days I was filming where Jessica Alba had to wear like some slinky outfit, like in her futuristic gear and all that. And then she was standing there and she didn't feel comfortable. And then her boyfriend at the time, I don't know, I think he had a problem with it or something like that. So I don't think Fox was able to sell her as a, a sex symbol as much because of what they were dealing with or they didn't want to sell her. Maybe Jessica and her boyfriend are like, I don't really want to be the sex symbol. I want to be an actress or, you know, sure, I want to yeah. be known for something else. So I don't know what happened, but the crew was kind of like gawking at her. And, um, you know, cause I was standing to the side watching this photo shoot happen. And I, I was like, the crew was kind of gawking and making little jokes and, you know, to be honest with you, I heard, you know, some of them say, oh, would you bang her? You know, stuff like ah, that. See, that shit's not cool, dude. Again, so I heard that. So then later in the day, we had a rehearsal in her trailer. And then I told her, I go, I go, were you uncomfortable? Like, you know, this and that. I saw, my, oh, Michael Weatherly is his name. His name's Michael, too. Her boyfriend at the time or her husband, whatever. Uh, and I'm like, were you uncomfortable? This and that. She goes, yeah, sort of. She goes, she goes I, I just, I, I don't know. I want to be known for more. That's all she said to me. I want to be known for more. I don't blame her. I can respect that. And I go, I go, you know, some of the crew members were like making jokes or like, you know, like side things about you. And she goes, oh, they do that all the time. She goes, I see it, the gawking or whatever. And I was like, well, you're the star of the show. I go, you need to put your foot down. Mm. And, and then she goes, eh, it's all good. She goes, you know, let them do them. I don't care. She goes, I got to worry about my performance. So then we do a little scene together where we're on the computer and I'm telling mm -hmm. her that I'm falling in love with her. And then all of a sudden, they kept, we were doing rehearsals. And the director, Williams, I think his name is Doug. I, I don't know. But um, he's like, quiet on the set, this and that. We're doing rehearsals. And the, the same crew members that I saw, they're just lollygagging around, laughing, talking while we're trying to rehearse. And then I just threw, like, I had a napkin or a Gatorade or something, like, right there. I just threw everything against the wall. I said, now everybody needs to be professional. Yeah, dude. I go, this beautiful, talented actress right here, we're trying to create a magical moment. And you guys are all talking. The director's been asking for silence, and none of you guys are respecting her. And I go, you guys in particular have been disrespecting her all day. And I go, it stops now. I go, so shut up. Get off set. Be quiet, and we're going to rehearse this scene. And then Jessica's wow. looking at me like, what the fuck? And then the, <laughs> the, direct, the director, Williams, he comes up to me after. He goes, Mike, is everything okay? I go, nah, I just pissed off. I, I just, I go, I'm an actor. I'm trying, I go, this is my first starring role in an episode of something that sure. I really love. Like, I'm starring in this episode. It, yeah. Also, the Wonder Years I did as well, but... This is for James Cameron, bro, you know? Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, fuck yeah. Like, I'm taking it serious. Also, James Cameron saw the episode of X-Files, and it's another reason why they enjoyed whatever I did. But, um, so, like, I'm just like, fuck. And then he goes, dude, thank you for that. Then she turns to me. She goes, Mike, nobody has ever stood up for me. Really? And I, I go, well, you're a talented fucking actress. I go, yeah, you're beautiful as hell. And everybody, and I told her straight up, because we've talked a lot. She's like a ghetto girl. You know, she has a ghetto mouth. She's, you know, grew sure. up in Burbank and Glendale. She's a Latin girl. She knows a lot mm -hmm. of that stuff. And I go, hey, go, besides everybody wanted to fuck you, I go, you're still a talented actress. Sure. It, that scene came off like gangbusters. Watch it. <laughs> it's where I tell her like that I've always watched her and loved her. 
Then her husband, at the end, of, after filming that episode, walks up to me, Michael Weatherly, and then he goes, he goes, dude, I didn't know how this scene or this character, Brainiac, was going to be portrayed in the show. He goes, but man, he goes, fantastic, fantastic, brother. He goes, we all oh, well, love you. That's amazing, dude. And I wanted to say that, too. I, I think, I think honestly, um, you your portrayal in that is probably one of your best pieces, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, that's my favorite job because I was associated with almost every scene. So every yeah. scene, I'm working with the director. Every scene, mm -hmm. I'm rehearsing with the actors. I'm not just a two-line actor where they bring right. in and they say, oh, say your two lines and get the hell out of here. Sure. And I, you crushed it, dude. I mean, it, you're really good in that episode. Oh, so thank you. Yeah, so like I said, we finished it, and then I, I stayed there another two or three weeks after for possible reshoots or whatever, but then I go back home, um, and during that thing, Jessica had to fly out for something, and there was a lot of 9-11 problems, and then the other actress had to fly home. They brought in a body double for her. With She had some drama with Ashton Kutcher. Like I said, that's another story for another time. But um, So I get home, right? Maybe the first or second day after I'm home, I'm I'm in my little gangster mobile. I had a Ford Explorer with rims and little TV screens. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think I think I'm all that. You know, I had a little bit of money in a bank account. You know, I'm rolling along with a good friend of mine, and we had cell phones around this time. You know, those little big portable ones or whatever. So I get a phone call, and then I'm like, "Yeah, who this? Who this?" It's like, oh, "This is James Cameron." May I speak with Michael Bauer? <laughs> right? And I'm in my car, like listening to music, hanging out. I'm like, yeah, sure, it's the king of the world. Yeah, well, who who's making up a joke like this? He goes, it's me, James Cameron. I met you in the alley. And he goes, I need to talk to Michael Bauer. And I know it's you because I hear your lisp. <laughs> Called you out hard. I immediately pull my car over, my, my Explorer. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm telling my friend, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck. Yes, Mr. Cameron. Because I didn't meet him on the set. He was not on the set. Uh, you know, he had too much to do in life to really, sure. but he wasn't on the Canada set at all. Uh, he goes, I just wanted to say we got, you know, most of the episode edited. He goes, "We you struggled in the early scenes because we filmed some scenes earlier to me yelling at the crew. Uh, but, you know, that was like on day two, maybe like, you know, but we filmed earlier scenes. He goes, you struggled in some of the early scenes. He goes, but you pulled through like a champ. And he goes, even though you die in this episode, everybody's a clone in my world. And then he hangs up the phone. He <laughs> goes, everybody's a clone in my world. And then he hangs up the phone. Then uh, later that day, this is like around 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock. Later that day, around 4.35, my manager calls me up. Mike, get to, I mean, my agent, excuse me. My agent calls me up and says, get to the office, get to the office. Why? There's something you got to see here. So I drive to the office like 5.30, 6 o'clock. It's a, a sheet telling me to be on season three of Dark Angel for 23 episodes at, oh, wow. at $38,000 an episode for 23 Whoa. episodes. Ooh, fuck yeah. <laughs> That's what I mean, because I think, again, like I said, the episode came out great. A lot of heart. It's like a character people don't see on TV because they had all good looking people. It's like CW. They put all the good looking sure. people. Yeah. <laughs> they got a fat guy with heart. And everybody fell in love with my character and enjoyed it. And I die. And they're like, we want him on the show, you know? So James Cameron made a decision. Let's put him on season three. So they sent the, the contract. It's called an early contract sheet. And then if I approve it, 
And I'm, I'm like, oh my God, it's like a half a million dollars or whatever it is. I'm like, oh, more than half a million. I'm like, oh, it's going to change my life. But the problem with that is what the networks do is, again, they ask all the actors, they make a concept, and they say, this is who's coming back for season three. How much does Jessica want? How much do these right. people want? Then they create a budget. So every episode is $5 million. Then they have to say, how many ads can we sell based on that $5 million that it costs to produce? Will we make any money? Will we not make any money? And they were, they were not season two of Dark Angel didn't do as good as season one. So I guess the budget came in too high. Plus, Jessica wasn't allowing herself to be sold like a sex symbol. Then around that time, a Jennifer Garner had her show where it was like an imitation of Jessica on Dark Angel, where she was like a detective on ABC. So Jennifer Garner became that girl lead on whatever that show was for ABC. And she was getting all the press and all the, and plus Jessica's now married to Michael Weatherly. So people are like, oh, so long story short, I don't think the budget matched up to the ads that Fox wanted to spend per episode, you know, after they found out all the actors that want to be in it. So then they, they canceled the show. Then they put Firefly in its place. And then, of course, they, yep. botched, they botched that up where they aired yep. different episodes incorrectly. You sure did. Yeah, they aired the whole season out of order is what I remember. <laughs> they sure did. But they aired the train I mean, episode number one. I mean, that sucks that that happened, but you, you got to have a little feather in your cap after getting that. Again, auditions were coming in. I was a little, because the casting directors all talk to each other. Oh, who's a good actor? Who's a good fat actor? Who's a good this? And then, you know, oh, Michael, we worked with him on, on Evolution, or we worked with him on Dude. And, you know, I was getting some good auditions. I didn't book all the roles, but I was getting some good auditions. And then, like I said, it led into, Dude, Where's My Car was done before that. And then it, it also led into Evolution and stuff like that. It's like a, it's like a train. It's just going yeah. along. Yeah. And, and you hopefully get every movie that you audition for, but you can't, you know? Yeah, totally. I didn't expect everything to connect so much, like the body of work. Um, and it's been like an eye-opening ex- experience to kind of hear you go through these and and say, you know, well, this went to this, and this is how I did this because of this, and you know what I mean? Yeah, that's how it works, again. Yeah, it's crazy. That's how I got the audition for the... Uh, uh, the, the Dark Angel was because I did a quality science fiction episode of X-Files and Chris Carter and he works at Fox. I think Cameron was at Fox. Again, whatever stories they have of me, they talk, casting directors talk, they watch it and then they tell the casting director, hey, I saw this, you know, this fat character that might be able to be good in this episode of Dark Angel, you know, call him up, whatever his name is, Michael Bauer. You know, then they find me and then I do the audition and like I said, the rest is history. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> so that's it. The first part of our two-part interview with Michael Ray Bauer has come to a close. Part two drops this Friday, June 12th. And as always, you want to head over to that Instagram and check out the MD Guide, because that's going to let you know when there's new episodes and interviews dropping. So stay tuned, Dumpster Dwellers. Hey, everybody. If you want some more bad movie goodness, you can check us out at moviedumpsterpodcast.com. Subscribe to us anywhere you listen to your podcast, and make sure to leave us a five-star review if you dig the show, because it helps us get out of the bottom of the dumpster and into more eardrums. Yeah, and if you're on the social medias, you can follow us at Movie Dumpster on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I suppose you're going to want to invite me in for tea? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I just want to uh, take a look, see at your hand there. Looks to me that it uh, could be cut pretty bad. No, thanks. 
I wouldn't want to get it infected.